you have your Bibles, I want you to go to Philippians chapter number two, the book of Philippians chapter number two. You guys might want to take a picture of this moment. Uh, this may be the first moment since we started the church that I don't have on slacks and a blazer. Uh, but when I went into my closet today uh, to get dressed, I looked at the blazers, uh, and then it was like something in my mind just said, uh, are you crazy? Satan's outside. <laughs> he came in the middle of June, and he'll be here to the end of August. He might stay through this September. <laughs> Don't do that. And so uh, I decided not to do that. And so uh, that's that. Philippians chapter number two, when you have it, say amen. amen. Okay. Uh, it should show up on the screens as well. I want to read two verses in your hearing, and then uh, we'll share what the Lord has placed in my heart. Dear friends, uh, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. This is Paul talking to the church at Philippi. And now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Now, there's something I like to do a lot when it comes to scriptures, and that is I like to take the verse and put it in first person when I really feels like, feel like it's speaking to me on, on that particular morning or week or or weekend. So verse number 13, uh, where it says you, uh, I want you to say me, okay? And I just want to read this together. But where it says uh, you, I want you to say me out loud. For God is working in me, giving me the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Let's read it again. For God is working in me, giving me the desire and the power to do what pleases him. One more time, real loud. For God is working in me, giving me the desire and the power to do what pleases him. That is a powerful scripture. That the God of the universe is on the inside of me, on the inside of you, giving you the desires and the power to do his will. That's just good. It doesn't take a lot to get me happy, okay? Bow your heads, let's pray over the word, shall we? Uh, God, thank you for being in. Give us power to get you out. Amen. See, this prayers be short, but I mean it. Okay. Uh, so if you're taking notes, uh, the title of this message is Getting God in You Out. Okay? Getting God in You Out. Uh, this particular... Uh, chapter, uh, Paul takes the time to remind the church at Philippi uh, that they are to have the same attitude that Christ does. It actually crescendos uh, in verse uh, number uh, 11, talking about uh, Christ and him putting down uh, his authority, his power, so that he could be amongst us in humility and show and express the true nature of God's character. Uh, if you see, though, in verse number five, it says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. I have all my scriptures memorized in King James. 
even though I read out of the NLT, and it rings a little bit better for me uh, in, in uh, King James. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. The reason why this is amazing to me, you know, we live in uh, a day and age of modern technology, uh, modern uh, medical advancements, and so you can have a uh, you can have a kidney transplant. You can have a heart transplant. There have even been facial transplants. We need brain transplants. We need the mind of Christ to be on the inside of us. That on a daily basis, we are not thinking like ourselves. We are not reacting like ourselves. We are actually responding in real time to everyday situations that we go to go through in the same way Christ would be responding to the same. And so he says, you need to have the same attitude as Christ does. And then in verse number 12 and 13, I'm going to read it again. It is on purpose because this is how you get it in your spirit. Dear friends, you always followed in my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. This has nothing to do with works, okay? Works for salvation. This is, I have been given grace to now have my salvation, and how in the world could I be given this miraculous grace to have this salvation and it not work for me? Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence, and fear, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Uh, now being saved 20 years, uh, having made a whole bunch of mistakes uh, along the way, having a lot of help, a lot of counsel, a lot of correction, a lot of discipline, uh, changing some habits, what I realize is um, there, there are many believers that feel like once I give my life to Jesus, uh, he's supposed to come or there's supposed to be a work of the Holy Spirit that happens to me that I just wake up one day and I stop doing stupid stuff. <laughs> I just wake up one day and I don't have an attitude no more. If, I'm, if I've historically had an attitude, I wake up one day and I no longer lust anymore. If I, if I had some lustful desires, I wake up one day and, and, and I stop being angry if I was angry all the time, uh, uh, not knowing that, that God comes on the inside of us. That when we give our life to Jesus Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit, God comes on the inside of us and he starts giving us his desires. You start waking up in the morning and you start getting desires that you didn't used to have on your own. You start thinking thoughts that you never thought of before. You start, you start having these, these desires that you never had before and it's Christ in you, the hope of glory, that's giving you these desires to do right. Here's the thing. He's not just giving you the desires. He's also giving you the power to fulfill the desires that he's putting in your heart. So it's not just, you know what, I want to do the right thing, but oh man, I keep doing the wrong thing. No. He starts giving you the desires to do the right thing and he starts empowering you to do the right things. So when I sit down with people who I may be counseling and they start telling me, I don't know what happened. I tried. It just didn't work. As you guys know by now, the, the, current, the recurring theme at Embassy City Church is, please die. Will you please die? The sooner you die, the better off you will be. So there's three things that I want to give you. Then there's two things that I want to give you, okay? 
Uh, there's three ways to get God in. There's, there's these three basic ways to get God in. I want to share them with you. And then I want to give you the two ways to get God out. Getting God in you out, okay? So three ways to get God in. Point number one, write this down. You pray him in. You pray him in. I'm not just talking about uh, the prayer you might pray in your heart when you give your life to Jesus, but I'm talking about a constant conversation that you are having with God the Father gets God more on the inside of you. The more you talk to him, the more he'll get in you. Now, now, now prayer may not change everything that you're aiming it at, but I promise you it will be changing you while you're aiming. It's been said that if prayer does nothing else, it changes the person who's praying. And in Matthew chapter number six, uh, uh, Jesus teaches us how to pray to God the Father in a way that is very, very simplistic. It covers all the basic needs. It starts with him, but ends with him. What we do to get God on the inside of us in a more personal way is we pray. I'm not just talking about complaining. I'm talking about a conversation that you have with the Lord. And, and it doesn't have to be this deep uh, 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 prayer that uses a lot of chunky words. I, I talk to God in the same way I talk to Juliet. I talk to God in the same way I talk to my best friend. I talk to God sometimes like I'm talking to my kids. It's just a conversation. But the more you start having that conversation, the more he starts getting into you. But you will start noticing that when you pray, your prayers stop becoming selfish. They start off with you, but they start ending with him. They start off with you, they start ending with others. Because the more you pray him in, it's transforming you. How do I get God in, in, in a deeper relationship in my life? Well, well, talk to him. Well, I don't, think he's I don't think he's answering me. Okay, talk anyway. Well, that's just crazy. I know. <laughs> Most stuff in the kingdom is. So have the conversation. Have the conversation. And you don't need to have a designated place to have the conversation. I know you saw War Room. I know you were fascinated by it. I know you were. You thought, oh, my God, it's the best thing ever. I need a war room. My mother worked for the Los Angeles Police Department for 30 years of her life, and for at least a decade of that, you know where her war room is? Was in the toilet stall. On her lunch break, she would go into the toilet stall for an hour and pray. Now, you know you have to be sanctified. <laughs> when you're a war room is a public restroom stall. You have to love Jesus. That's where my mom would go and pray. You can pray in traffic. You have plenty of time. If you have to be at work at 9 and you leave at 7, you'll be an intercessor by the time you get to work. You will have a bona fide prayer life after 55 minutes in traffic trying to get to Dallas and you live 20 minutes away. I just heard three people groan, like, don't, 
don't remind me. But you just pray them in. And it could be anywhere that you decide to pray, you pray. I pray on the plane. I pray in the shower. I pray when I'm shaving. I have conversations with God all the time. And these conversations are building me up. I'm not one of these people, and I'm the, I'm the senior pastor of this church. So, so if you're one of these people, um, stop, okay? The Lord is saying, the Lord is saying, I hear the Lord saying, the Lord just told me, the Lord just told me again, the Lord just said, and the Lord just said, and the Lord just said, and the Lord just said. He's not talking that much. And I know he's not talking to you that much about everybody else except you. If the Lord is talking to you about everybody else more than he's talking to you, that's not the Lord talking to you. I'm going to save you a counseling session right now. I just feel like God is saying something about this church. Did he say something to you before he said something to us? Pray him in. Pray him in. You can bring him down. My son Noah, my, as you know, my son Noah is always saying some amazing stuff. Uh, so today I was shaving, and, and he said, Daddy, he, got, he said, uh, when, when is God coming back? And I said, I, I don't know when he's coming back. He said, I know when he's coming back. I said, you do? He said, yeah. He'll be here at 4. <laughs> I said, he'll be here at 4 o'clock today? He said, he'll be here at 4 o'clock today. I said, okay, he'll be here at 4. Um, he, he goes, yeah, so we have to hurry. You have to hurry up so we can get to church. I said, well, church starts at 5. You said he's coming at 4. He said, yeah, so you have to hurry up and get there because uh, so, we, we can't miss him. I said, listen, if he comes at 4, we won't miss him. We'll just go be with him. So he didn't get that at all. And he was like, no, 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 he has to get in the car. God is going to get in the car, and he's going to meet us at Embassy City Church. And I, and I said, okay, it sounded prophetic at first, and now you're just being fired. So <laughs> forget it. I thought it was Jesus. It's not, okay? But at a young age, he can ask these questions, and he can have a conversation with them. He can pray them in. That's what I want us to do as believers is pray him in. You want to get God in? Pray him in. Lord, I need more of you. I need, I need more of you. If, if you would get in here and get some stuff out of here, uh, then, then you would have more of me if I had more of you. You would have more places to rule, reign, rest, and abide. And God, I invite you in. I already know you have my finances under your control. I already know you have the sickness under control. I already know you have the bills under control. I already know you have all of my issues under control. Help me. Transform me. Transform my mind. I don't want to think the same. I don't want to be the same. I don't want to react the same. I want to be more like you on a daily basis. Please, come in. Get him in. That's point number one. Point number two, write this down. Read him in. You pray him in. You, you, you talk to him. and You read him in. You, you read about him. Psalm chapter number one, verse number two says that those that delight in the law of the Lord. He says, I delight in the law of the Lord, and I meditate on that word day and night. But that first part, I delight in his law. I love reading his word. 
Now, I, there, there's, there's people that I've talked to, they said, I have a hard time hearing God. When you have a hard time hearing God, read his letters. Because he sounds like what he wrote. Okay? If, if I lived in Hawaii, and this was like 1950, okay? So before email, before everything, they had these things called pen pals. Anybody old enough to remember a pen pal? Okay? Yes. Anybody used to have a pen pal? Okay? So I had a pen pal. Pen pal for the millennials, okay? People took this stuff called paper, <laughs> and either with a lead tip thing cased in wood called a pencil, or another thing called a pen, had an ink that came out of it. Um, this is how we used to text, okay? And uh, 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 you, would write your, you would write the person that's your pen pal, you send it off, they didn't live close, they'd get your letter, they'd read it. Okay, and then they'd write you a letter and send it back to you, and you all were pen pals. Okay, if you had a uh, uh, a Polaroid, took a little picture of yourself, sent it to them. They were like, "Oh, that's what you look like." Okay, I'm not writing you anymore. Whatever. Okay, so I don't know. I'm just saying. I don't know if it was romantic for y'all. I don't know. Okay, so so you have this pen pal. Okay, so um, just imagine. Okay, we're back in those days. Okay, so I, I live in Hawaii. And, and, and somebody else lives in Minnesota, okay? So, so I'm in Hawaii, and I write my friend in Minnesota, and every time I write my friend in Minnesota, I say, hey, listen, I'm, I'm by the beach, I'm eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and I'm having some almond milk. It tastes delicious, okay? And, and every time they write me, they're saying, you know, I'm, I'm flying a kite. For whatever reason, in Minnesota, they're flight kites, okay? So, so then I write another letter, I'm eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and I'm having some almond milk, and then they're flying a kite, peanut butter and jelly sandwich, they're flying a kite, okay? So then we get some money together, and I say, hey, I'm coming to Minnesota. I don't know why I'm leaving Hawaii to come to Minnesota, but I'm coming to Minnesota, I'm gonna hang out with you. And I come to Minnesota, and the person is there flying a kite. I know that's them, because they, they, they wrote it in their letters all the time, they fly kites. I'm like, oh, it's so good to see you. You must be so-and-so, I'm flying kite. And they're like, yes, and I got you a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and some almond milk. And then my response is, I hate peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I can't stand it, I have a peanut allergy. You trying to kill me? And almond milk, that's even worse, that's a nut, and you squeeze some milk out of it, you're trying to kill me with liquid, stop. And they would be shocked going, you can't be the person I've been writing to. No, I am the person that, that, that's been writing to you. No, 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 you can't be the person that's been writing to me because, because I have the letters right here and you don't sound like what's written in these letters. What's coming out your mouth and what's, and what's on this page does not match, so you're an imposter. Same thing with the Word of God. Anything you start hearing in your mind that doesn't match up with what the Word of God says, that's not God's voice. Well, I want to hear an audible voice from the Lord. That's how he talks to some people. Other people, they'll be in traffic and see a detour sign, detour sign and the Holy Spirit will be like, yeah, and you already know you need to detour from that thing that's in your life, and you'll be like, you are right. <laughs> and it wasn't Tim, thus said the Lord. The detour sign fixed your life. He has many different ways to communicate. But the one that he left us with was his word. So read him in. And listen, let me say something about this book. It's an acquired taste. 
If you've been in sin all your life, you give your life to Jesus, when you start reading this, you're not going to like it. <laughs> you've been reading Time magazine. You've been reading whatever, you Forbes. You've been reading GQ, Cosmopolitan, whatever. And then you get this, you're going to be like, oh, oh, I, I don't know. I, don't, uh, <coughs> I fell asleep. I mean, I, I read like two verses and I woke up the next day. I'm the horrible. I can't. I don't like the. I, I just don't know. I, I'm not a reader. So? You're a believer? You're required to read. Well, this is not my personality. It, it, God doesn't care about your personality. Let his mind be in you, not yours. So read them in. It is an acquired taste. So start with something you like. You don't have to take on, a, you know what, I'm a, I'm a believer now. I'm going to start in Genesis, and I'm going to just start reading. Genesis... You might hang through Genesis and Exodus. Leviticus will kill you. <laughs> Leviticus will take you smooth out. I promise you, you won't make it past Leviticus. You'll be like, you know what? I'm done. I don't. I tried it. I tried it. It just didn't work for me. Okay. So skip Levi. You won't go to hell for skipping Levi. Go to Psalms. Go to Proverbs. Today's what, the second? Is it today the second? Okay, today's the second. So read Proverbs 2. And then, and then stop. Don't try to be a hero. You got your whole life to do this. You got your, listen, you got the rest of your life to get them in. It's a big God. You're not going to get them all in at one time. You won't get them in in a 52-week Bible study either. He's real big. So you'll be getting them in a little bit at a time until you go back to be with him. Read Proverbs 2 and stop. Tomorrow's the third. Read Proverbs 3 and stop. Your appetite's going to start growing. Get through 31 days. July is a perfect time to start reading your Bible. There's 31 days in July. There's 31 days in the book of Proverbs. You get back to August 1st, go back to Proverbs 1. You'll start getting some wisdom. Then you might want to add a psalm, or you might want to add a gospel. You might want to go read Philippians or Corinthians or Acts. Or... But do something. Because if you want him in, one of the ways you get him in, besides praying, is you read him in. Psalm 119, one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible, I don't think there's 10 chapters in the entire book, and I think it has 176 verses in, in, in uh, Psalm 119. I don't think there's 10 chapters that don't have the word law, decree, precept, instruction, or command in them. In the entire book, what he says over and over and over again, minus 7 to 10 verses is, I love your law, I love your precepts. I love your law. I love your precepts. I love your law. I love your commands. I love your precepts. I love your law. I love your commands. I love your precepts. I love your law. I love your land. Uh, 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 I love your land, not your land. I love your law. I love your commands. I love your precepts. That's what I'm trying to say. He keeps reading them in. And the more he gets God in through reading, the more he realizes he's right. It changes his entire life. To the point that when he falls, the recovery so fast, he doesn't have to pay 
a consequence of death or anything like that. You look, on, you look at David's life. You look at Saul's life comparatively. And when you look at what David did and you look at what Saul did, if you don't know, uh, David uh, uh, had one of his top 30 guys who fought for him killed so he could be with his wife. That, that's scandalous. There's no soap opera you're going to watch this summer. More salacious and scandalous than that, okay? Here's what Saul did. Saul uh, didn't kill a king, and he sacrificed when he wasn't supposed to. Okay, so I, I just want to... Okay, this dude murdered his boy to get his girl. And this guy forgot to kill a king and burnt something up he shouldn't have. This guy kept the kingdom, and this guy lost it. You know why? This guy loved God's law, and this guy didn't. So when correction came, God's word, hey, you're not lining up with my word. One guy said, I don't see what the big deal is. Bye. You just lost the whole kingdom. Correction comes to David. Hey, you shouldn't have did what you did. And he says, oh, no. Ah! I shouldn't have done it. And pulled out pen and paper. Dear Lord, I am sorry. Do not take your spirit from me like you did Saul. He went crazy. I do not want to be that guy. Purge me with hyssop. Wash me till I'm white as snow. He loved God's law. He loved his commands. So that even when he fell, he knew the command was right, even though he was wrong. As opposed to trying to twist God's word to fit his behavior. So correction comes to you, and you shouldn't be doing that. You know what? That's not even what that verse really means there. I researched it in the Greek, and there's a participle that's missing. And everybody's been reading it from the masculine. It's really the feminine tense. And so that, since I don't really know what that means. It's, it's, listen, God knows my heart. Most dangerous statement ever said by anybody trying to cover a sin. He knows it's, it's desperately wicked. That's what the scripture says. The heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? God. Okay. So read them in. When you read this, book and you start getting him in, it starts changing you. Point number three, write this down. Speak him in. You pray him in, that's how you talk, talk to him. You read him in, that's how you read about him. And then you speak him in, that's to talk about him. Back in uh, Psalm 1, verse 2, he says that, uh, he delights in the law of the Lord. Then he says this, and he meditates on it day and night. Now, meditation is completely different than just mere reading. Reading is, uh, uh, I, I'm taking the information in. I'm, I'm applying it to my life. I'm reading about him, and I'm reading it in. He, here's what meditation is. I'm speaking about him. I'm talking about him. One of the best ways you can learn scripture is to read the scripture 
close the Bible and just start saying it over and over and over and over and over again. It's the law of repetition. One of the reasons why I say repeat after me and have you say something three to five times, I'm doing nothing that Blue's Clues didn't do on PBS <laughs> a thousand years ago, okay? Blue's Clues, okay, 40 years ago, they put a, an episode on uh, and they showed the episode five days in a row. And everybody thought this is going to be the worst television program of all time. They keep showing, how do you come out with a program and show a rerun five days straight? And they, the parents have put their little three to five year old in front of the TV and, and, and the parents are getting upset. It's the same episode as yesterday. And the kids just over there, you know, watching the TV set. And by Friday, a word comes up and the kids, that's three, is like, fire! Hat! Cat! Run! And, and, and the parents think it's a miracle. Oh my God, Johnny's, oh, my kid is so smart. No, he just saw the same show five days straight. And it stuck. One of the ways you get God to stick to you is talk about him. The only time his name is mentioned is the day you're here. He's not going to be that sticky. The only time he's brought up in conversation is when you're around other believers, he's not going to get that sticky. If the only time you open up your mouth and declare the word of God is when you're with others in a worship service, he's not going to be in there in a deep way that enriches your life. So speak to him and speak about him and he'll get in, okay? So, so those are my three ways to get God in. Uh, now I have two ways to get God out, and these are so simple. It's going to sound like something I said a couple of weeks ago because it is something I said a couple of weeks ago. If you're noticing by now, the current theme is repetition. This is how you get it in, okay? Two ways to get God out. Point number one, say what he has said. If you pray him in and you read him in and you speak him in, then at some point you're going to start saying what the man said. You're going to start talking like he talks. You're going to start speaking what he speaks. And it will come out in ways that will shock you. Have you ever been talking with somebody and they were maybe pouring themselves out to you? And uh, you were talking to them. It could be a dear friend of yours. You've known them for a long, long time. And then something flies out of your mouth that's so profound, you can't act like you made it up. <laughs> like, you know, it comes out and you're like, what? Listen, I, wow, we need to write that down. That was, and they're like, oh my God, that's exactly what I needed to hear. And you're like, that's right, you know. <laughs> I do this all the time, thinking about opening my own practice. That's how I live. Well, well, what's, the, what's the real deal? You've been reading him in and praying him in and speaking him in, now he gets to start coming out. And when he starts coming out, people start getting blessed because you have a lot of him in and they can start getting some stuff out. It would be a travesty for the next decade for you to be at this church and nobody change that you know. That'd be an epic failure. You probably should not go here. 
I'm dead serious. It would be embarrassing to me that after a decade, nobody came closer to Jesus because of you. It was all because of me. No, no, no. I'm only speaking so he can get in you. I'm only praying so he can get in you. I'm only reading so he can get in you so that you can reach people that we cannot reach. You start saying the stuff he says. And it doesn't have to be like Bible scholarly. It can just be all that wisdom you've been reading for 31 days or 30 days every month over and over and over again. You'll be a bootleg PhD in the book of Proverbs. And they're like, but what about Leviticus? I know nothing about that one. I recuse myself from this conversation. You'll start saying what he says. Speak up. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Speak up. Well, I, I don't know my Bible that well, and I don't, no, 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 no. You've been praying them in. You've been reading them in. You've been speaking them in. It's time to get some of that out. Somebody needs the God on the inside of you. They need it in your personality, in your skin color, in your height, in your profession, in your skill set and expertise. It's time to start letting them come out. And I promise you, you might think you know a little or a lot. If you start letting it out, people will start changing. Remember, God doesn't need much. He just needs obedience. He's not asking you to be superman, superwoman in the Bible. He's asking you to be obedient. And when you are obedient, God will start speaking through you things that you never thought you would be saying. So that's point one. Point two, very simple. You'll start doing what he's done. This is a good one. You'll start saying what he says, but you'll start doing what he does. Hmm. One of the best things that uh, we could do for people is have Christ's character in word, and more importantly, and in deed. Not just in what we say, but in what we do. And here's what is so serious that here's what Jesus says about it. I'll know that you're my disciple if you're doing what I said to do. Not if you're saying what, what, I, what I said, because a lot of people that quote me, they, they, they just won't die to be me. So, so it, it can't just be what you say. It has to be what you say and what you do. You know what would be an, an amazing blessing? is when the actions of God come out of us to people that may not even deserve those actions that are coming out of us. We, we can't just use it with other people that think like us and have the same idealistic approach to life as us and, 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 and they dress like us and they work in the same uh, space as us. They might have the same uh, socioeconomic influence as us and because they have all of those things together, wow, that's a great guy. It's a great gal. No, it has to be the fact that we are going to respond like God to humanity. Because when people say what we when people see what we say, they're going to watch closely to what we do. I have some friends that I connected with uh, this past week. I was out in California at uh, Rick Warren's purpose driven uh, conference. It was absolutely fantastic. Um, uh, one of the uh, guys that we met, uh, his church 
was a mile away from uh, the shooting that happened in Orlando. One mile away is where they meet from the shooting that happened in Orlando. So uh, this guy uh, grabbed his whole church. Uh, they went down uh, to the hospital, prayed for everybody. Uh, none of these people uh, had gone to their church, uh, but they, they uh, went down there, prayed for everybody. When they started praying for people uh, and the families of those people, then they started feeding those people. Then they started feeding the families of those people. And it wasn't the photo op. Nobody knew this. So it wasn't on the Instagram page, down here helping. <laughs> Look how Christian I am. I'm down here already. Roll the tape. It's got to be on Snapchat. Come, follow me. Let's just, you got, is that going, hey, how you doing, man? Nobody knew they were down there, except the people that were hurting. And they didn't forget it. So they started coming to church. And they started coming to church just like they were. And everybody got a hug. And everybody started loving on them. And some of those people started giving their lives to Jesus Christ. Everybody already knows what we say. What are we doing? Can you, can you imagine the next two decades of you coming to a church, whether it's this one or somebody else's, week in and week out, week in and week out, coming on a weekend service, getting involved in a small group, starting to volunteer, starting to do this, starting to do that, praying him in, reading him in, speaking him in, and not a drop of him comes out? How, how, how could that happen? Can, can that, does that work any, with anything else? Biologically, with your body, can you, can, can you continue to eat? <laughs> and something not fall out of you? I know it's too graphic for you. I'm, but I'm, I'm, being, I'm trying to be really practical, okay? I'm trying to be really, really practical. Can you continue to eat and something not come out? Yes or no? Okay, okay. Can you continue to be a believer and continue hear messages and something not come out of you? Is it possible? If it is, it's time to do some self-examination. Why is nothing coming out? Lord, am I blocking you from coming out? Am I making you coming out of me an obstacle course instead of a cakewalk? I want to see believers get a big God out of them in all situations. Because Jesus is the hope of the world. And he really looks good on you, but he looks great coming out of you. I'm glad you're a Christian. Woo! They're saved. Woo! But, but if we cheer the fact that you're here, 
But you can't be commissioned to go there. Then why keep coming here? If you're not going to go out there. I'm not interested in pastoring a church that just wants to get them all in. And, oh, 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 that was good. <coughs> that was great. Oh, I love the word. And a decade from now, nobody's changed. I'd rather have a group of committed believers that said, I'm going to keep praying him in, reading him in, and speaking him in so I can get him out at work, at home, while I'm grocery shopping, while I'm pumping gas, wherever God wants me to be used. I just want to have enough of him in me that someone else can get some of them out. Give you one last uh, example of this, and then I'll shut up. Uh, I remember somebody uh, came to talk to me, and they asked me a, uh, a really, really interesting question. <clears throat> and it was, uh, what, what, what does it mean uh, when someone says there's a God-sized void in your heart that only Christ can fill? And they were being very sincere uh, because they were trying to reconcile, okay, big God, and there's this void in my heart, and, and Christ is supposed to fill it. And what I realized when she asked me the question was, we have some dumb stuff we say in church. That's the first word that came to my mind. We say dumb stuff that if somebody raised their hand and was like, what does that mean? We would be like, well, praise God. It, you know, it's just, bless God, you just need to know the Bible a little bit. And bless the Lord, it's just, you know, hey, psh, it's a big God. He's going in your heart. I mean, just let him in there already. Just come to church and you'll figure it out. That's why I don't use churchy colloquialisms. Because if somebody comes and asks me, what did you mean? I, I want to be able to explain it. So I don't want to say stuff like, when the blessings come up, praises come down. <laughs> Who's tossing it up? <laughs> and I said it backwards anyway. See, that's how much I don't use it. When the praises go up, blessings gun down. Okay. But she asked me this question, and she was very sincere. And so how do you, and, and I said, well, first of all, I know what they said, but here's what I think they meant. I think they meant that uh, God created you, and because he created you, um, he's the only one that knows about you. Do you have a phone? And Yes, you had a phone. Okay. So you have a phone right there, and who made that phone? iPhone made the phone. Okay, so iPhone made the phone. So if it breaks right now, Who's the best company that can fix it? You, you can take it to like a third-party aftermarket place and who just fixes all kinds of cell phones. But, but, but who knows the best about this cell phone? Well, it would be iPhone, because Apple, because they're the one that made the iPhone. Okay, great. So you would send it back to Apple, right? Why, why would you send it back to Apple? Well, Apple made it. Okay. So then there's products for that phone that you can get aftermarket, and it can fit in there. But, but what are the products that you know are going to fit that you can trust? Well, Apple made products that go with the phone. It's probably going to be the best because Apple made the phone. Okay, great. 
So forget God-sized void in your heart that only Christ can fill. Apple, iPhone, does that make sense? Yes, God's like that. Oh, okay, now let's pray. <laughs> Fixed, because it was practical. Now, here's the reason why it has to be simple. This is why all my points are simple and I try to preach simple, because Jesus was simple. And if there was one person that didn't have to be simple, it would have been Jesus. Jesus could have came to earth and been like, I'm the king of the universe. I'm actually the word of my dad. I'm in flesh. Don't ask how I got here. It's supernatural. So let me start explaining cosmoses to you. Okay? Right? There's 11 trillion cosmoses. I know them all. I made them. Um, there's just celestial gas that exists. If you breathe it, you would die. I wouldn't. I made it. But can you just imagine Jesus coming down to earth to confuse people? How could you go out and do the work if you don't understand the work he's sending you out to do? Here's what Jesus does. Jesus comes down. He picks up a mustard seed. He says, hey, uh, you guys see this mustard seed? They're like squinting, barely. He's like, if you have faith the size of this, you can say to that tree. You guys see that tree? Yes, you can say to that tree right there, go in that lake, and then uh, the faith that this size with that tree, we'll go into that lake, and it would happen for you. You, like, you guys got it? They were like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Let's go eat some fish. <laughs> that was the end of class. And he kept doing this. There was a sower that went into uh, a field and, and sowed seed. And some fell on stony ground, and some fell on thorny ground. And, but then some fell on fertile ground. And his disciples were like, with this simplistic analogy, I don't know what you mean. He was like, no problem. Let me slow it down. Um, uh, the, the, the stony uh, soil is uh, a stony heart. It, it didn't go. But, but a fertile, uh, the fertile soil represents a fertile heart that receives my word and it can't be taken away from him. Oh, now I get it. Then he goes on and does another simplistic analogy until some fishermen and some tax collectors and some more reviled unsavory people started preaching this after he died to the point that the known world said it was shaken upside down. So if they can do it, and they were fishermen, okay, I think we can too. Some of us have degrees and some of us have a technical trade and a skill and some smart people that go to our church. Okay, so we got the fishermen beat, y'all. <laughs> and we have more technology to get all this stuff in. So we have no excuse not to beat them. And it's not a competition, but here's how I know that we have to beat them. Because he said, greater work shall you do. Because I go to the Father. Jesus said, the stuff you saw me do, you're going to do greater stuff than I did. Because I'm going to go home, sit next to my dad, and pray for y'all not to blow it. <laughs> Scripture says he is daily making intercession for us. Okay? So, so if you want to get a big God in you, out, pray, read. What's the third one? Okay? And then... That's how you get them in. And then get, get them out. What do you do to get them out? Come on, loud. Say what he says. Do what he does. Okay, you guys got that? All right, go do it. Bow your heads. Jesus, thank you that you have given us the greatest opportunity that the world has ever seen to reach people 
with your love. We've prayed you in. We've read you in. We've spoken you in. And now would you give us the boldness to say what we've heard you say and to do what we've seen you do. God, I pray that the limitations would be taken off. The mindset of believers. I pray that we would not get comfortable where we are in our faith. But that we would become more bold to share it. God, I think that you're empowering an entire group of people to get you out of them into the earth. So would you remove every limitation? Would you break down every wall? Would you conquer every fear? Would you eradicate every habit and allow us to be people that can get you to them? Whatever you have bound every eye.